Good morning, Campbell River Baptist Church and Radiant Life. So glad you could join us this morning. Uh, yeah, welcome here. We hope that you enjoy our service today and have a fantastic long weekend. Good morning, everyone. Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are per persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hey everyone, youth announcement time. Just a reminder that every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. we have a youth live. Join us on Facebook and Instagram. See you there. Hi everyone, Leora here to talk about children's ministry again. Uh, I've just been so encouraged lately over all the connections that have been happening over the children's ministry stories. Thank you to all of you families who have been sending me pictures of your kids doing crafts and sending me videos of them with their memorized scripture. A couple weeks ago, I put out a challenge to the families to memorize scripture and I had two families send me uh, videos of their kids telling the scripture in Psalm 23. So I wanna say congratulations and thank you to the Han family Family and the Davis family, you'll be receiving a gift from me soon. Uh, this week, as always, there's some stories on our website for kids, one for preschoolers and one for elementary students. I hope that you can connect in there. It's a pretty neat thing that we're also going through Matthew, and we're right now starting in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're very excited about all the things that God has to teach our hearts through this. My name is Emma and I have a few announcements for you today. The first one is about 10 days of prayer. Brenda Goal is putting on 10 days of prayer. What it's going to be is an intentional time of prayer before the Pentecost. It's going to go from May 21st to May 30th. If you would like to do it and you'd like more information, check out our newsletter. My second announcement is about online small groups. We've been talking about it a little bit the last few weeks and we have officially launched five new groups. There's more information to come. There's a little bit more detail that we would like to put together. But if you are interested, please email our small groups at crbaptist.bc.ca email. And my last announcement is about our newsletter. We're hoping to put a little bit more of the detailed announcements in our newsletter, the things that we won't be posting on social media. So if you would like more details about the things that are happening here at the church or events that are going on or changes that are happening, make sure to sign up for our newsletter. You can go to our website, scroll down, follow the prompts, all the information is there. Hi everyone, this is Sandy Ewan, your missionary in South Sudan. Um, we are living in crazy times, aren't we? And uh, we, it's just been, um, yeah, a whirlwind for me. Uh, in mid-March, uh, mid uh, we had a lot, uh, we heard about the coronavirus, it was kind of like watching a movie, um, not affecting us, and then at the end of uh, March, 
we were told that they were closing their borders and their airspace and SIM um, told us missionaries that we should go home uh, because their the the healthcare uh, system wasn't very strong and so it was better that for ourselves that we would go home so here I am I'm it was a whirlwind trip um, thank you so much for praying uh, we have left our uh, Sudanese in charge of the clinic and uh, we are monitoring them from a distance and they're doing a marvelous job and thank you so much for your prayers it was very very hard because I couldn't say goodbye to them to to instruct them or anything and I feel very uh, it's been very sad for me to do that and um, but we know and we pray that um, that the Lord is directing them and watching over them and the pastors are they are doing well and they're actually having um, that my church Doro Church is actually um, thinking outside the box with this COVID virus and they are meeting outside and they've done distance spacing and they can sing for three hours and hear the Word of God and to rejoice in the Lord so um, thank you for your prayers and thank you for your prayers for me as well because it's uh, been it's been hard it's been hard and difficult and I'm reminded of Psalm 91 um, verse verse 1 and let me just read it for you it says he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty and that's what we should do shouldn't we that we should just rest in the Lord and trust in him and depend upon him and uh, let him lead and let him guide and let him do his thing that uh, because nothing takes God by surprise he is our sovereign Lord and that's what I'm trusting for those dear souls in South Sudan in Doro and that's what we are trusting here aren't we and so thank you so much for your prayers um, they are invaluable invaluable and um, and I so appreciate you. You are a part of this ministry, and it's continuing. It's continuing. The church is is taking over, and they are they are ministering. And um, so pray for them. Um, that uh, specifically pray for Pastor um, John Kaya, who is an overseeing the Doro area and our guards and as well as the church there and so just thank you and praise you again god bless hi everybody it's ryan davis here senior youth intern this morning i wanted to let you guys know that our prayer of the week for our missionaries and for our local churches can now be found on our newsletter and so we'd like to encourage you guys as a congregation to be joining with us in prayer for our local ministries and for those that we support on the mission field so please go on our newsletter find them there this morning i'm going to be praying for our congregation i'm going to be praying for pastor adrian and i'm just going to be praying for the board right now so please join me in prayer Lord, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today, Lord, that we can gather together, even in this way, Lord, 
we, um, we lift up our, our fellow brother and, and our leader, Lord Adrian, in this time. Father, we think of his family and we ask, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would allow them to use this time to draw together to be close as a family. And Lord, we thank you for Adrian and the work that he's done here at Campbell River Baptist. Father, we thank you for the ways that you've used him down at Radiant. And we ask, Lord, that this would be a season of rest for him. Father, we pray for answers and we just pray for encouragement there. And Lord, we think of our board in this time as they are starting the search for new pastor or new lead. And we just ask, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them the creativity that they need there. Lord, we pray that you would give them insight. And Father, we just pray for the Holy Spirit's leading. We pray, Lord, that you would just help them to be unified as a team. And uh, and Lord, we pray for whoever is going to be coming to Canberra River Baptist, Lord, that even now you'd be working in their heart and stirring a fire in them for what they're going to be doing here through you, Jesus. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we just want to lift up the whole leadership team here at Canberra River Baptist as we go into this next week of ministry. Please uh, bless us and keep us. And Father, we just want to thank you for how you have provided for Campbell River Baptist, for this congregation, this community in this time, Lord. The way that we've seen you come through has been amazing. And so, Father, we just pray that you would continue to make your, make your blessings known here. Father, that we continue to be a part of your work here in Campbell River, bringing your kingdom here. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm glad that you've joined us here this Sunday morning. Uh, over the next two weeks, I want to conclude a series of messages that I've been doing entitled Walking the Walk. And I've been drawing from the Sermon on the Mount, which is a teaching of Jesus found in Matthew's Gospel. Now, this series is coming to a close, and so what I want to do is to draw this Sunday from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and next Sunday from the conclusion of that passage. So this week's message I've entitled what in the world brings happiness? And next week's is the good life. So this week we're gonna talk about what in the world brings happiness. And to get an insight into that, we're going to look at a story of Jesus that challenges our view of happiness. And Em's gonna read it for us now. I'm reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me.' Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So what in the world brings happiness? To answer this, Besides looking at a parable, I looked up some quotations online, and here are some thoughts. First, the thoughts of the well-known philosopher, Winnie the Pooh. Well, said Pooh, what I like best, and then he had to stop and think, 
because although eating honey was a very good thing to do, there was a moment just before you began to eat it which was better than when you were. But he didn't know what it was called. I think that moment is called anticipation, and it reminds me of when I was a kid, barely able to get to sleep on Christmas Eve. Here's a quotation about happiness from Mark Twain. Sanity and happiness are an impossible combination. Well, needless to say, I'm not of the opinion that insanity is a required condition for happiness. I go so far as to say that the more in touch we are with reality, the more happy we will be, if we consider reality as being in touch with God himself. I agree with St. Augustine who observed a contradiction in human nature. Indeed, he said, man wishes to be happy even if, even when he so lives as to make happiness impossible. It's like this trail. It's way more fun when you're in shape than when you're not. So preparing for a hike by staying in shape pays off when you get on the trail. If I want to enjoy this trail, I need to do the kinds of things that ensure that I will. It's like we want to be happy, but we do things that make us unhappy. And that's why I'm saying that the more we're in touch with reality, that is in touch with God and his plan for our life, the happier we will be. So what I'm saying is that the more in touch we are with reality, the happier we will be, meaning the more in touch we are with God and his plan for our lives, the happier we will be. So let's think this through further together. I think that some people make the error of equating pleasure with happiness. So as long as you're having fun, you will be happy. But happiness is elusive and even fun times turn sour. I'm sure we've all experienced that. And isn't it true that much of life isn't fun at all? So if fun, happiness, and pleasure are more or less equated, well, that sure limits the possibility for happiness. And that brings me to one of my favorite quotations concerning happiness. Consider what C.S. Lewis said about happiness apart from God. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. What he's saying is that every source of satisfaction outside of God is ultimately futile. Happiness is only possible within God and his plan for our lives. Jesus made this clear one time when someone asked him to be an arbiter in a family dispute over an inheritance. That's the story that Em read for us just a few minutes ago from Luke chapter 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, the person's request might be reasonable, but Jesus doesn't investigate the question of how to divide up the estate at all. He apparently has no interest in the issue. He more or less says, why are you bringing this to me? Instead, he redirects the question and speaks to something that in his mind is more essential. What in life is important? And what will make us ultimately happy? So this fellow finds himself in a situation where there is a perceived injustice and he fumes over it. He wants to be treated fairly. We can all identify with this. 
But God sees something else far more important and subtle. He sees in this man the man's values and his vain pursuit of happiness. So he said to the man, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So he says to the man who wants justice, be on your guard against all kinds of greed and life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There's the principle. And what a timely word to a materialistic society like ours. Then Jesus tells the man a story to demonstrate this principle and the futility of a life given to the accumulation of wealth. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. I think it's really interesting that it doesn't occur to him to be generous with the abundance that God has given to him. Now, now that sounds like pleasure, doesn't it? Get rich, retire early, take it easy, enjoy all that life has to offer. I mean, what could be better than living in a luxury strata with your own golf course or a mansion on the oceanfront or owning a little cabin on an acreage in the woods or a yacht to sail around all those beautiful islands around Campbell River? These are the kinds of things we think will make us happy. Well, that's how the, the farmer thought. He's joined the ranks of the wealthy and devotes himself to pleasure. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? So he's got it all, and he doesn't get to enjoy it at all. Then Jesus concludes, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Jesus is speaking to those who obsess over wealth and possessions and want continuous pleasure. His point to this man who is so worried about the inheritance money is this. Don't be in love with that money. It isn't worth as much as you think. It's fleeting. It can be lost in a second. Instead, be rich toward God because that is eternal. So the two main principles Jesus teaches us here are these. One, Watch out for greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And two, be rich toward God. These two principles replace the pleasure principle of take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now let's keep this in mind as we shift over to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. What I'm about to read is called the Beatitudes or the Blessings. According to Jesus, the blessed life is not tied up with wealth, possessions, and perpetual pleasure. In fact, it's tied into all kinds of other things, not normally on our how-to-be-happy list. You'll see that as I read this text from Matthew 5, beginning with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn 
for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What amazing teaching! Here's what's true about you when you are blessed. You are blessed when you are poor in spirit, when you mourn, when you are meek, when you, are, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you show mercy, when you are pure of heart, when you are a peacemaker, when you are persecuted because of righteousness. All this is true when we are blessed, right? And isn't it remarkable that Jesus is not describing a life free from pain? We are blessed even when we mourn or are persecuted. This list of qualities stands in stark contrast to the philosophy of the rich, retired farmer. His one beatitude would be, Blessed are those with plenty of good things laid up for many years who can take life easy and eat, drink, and be merry. That's not what Jesus is saying. Okay, then. What does he mean when he says we are blessed? If he isn't describing a life of perpetual pleasure where you have plenty of good things laid up and you can take life easy and eat and drink and be merry, then what does he have in mind when he says you are blessed? Here are several, several observations. First, sometimes we replace the word blessed with the word happy. In a certain sense, this is true. I remember being told in Bible college that you could do that. But to simply replace the one word with the other is a bit misleading. In other places in the Bible, the word blessed applies to a person who is favored by God and who is therefore by extension happy or filled with joy. Bible scholars point out that the term, term happy, as used in our culture, does not adequately represent the meaning of the word. The root of the word would be approval or speak well of. That is, when we are blessed, we are the recipients of God's approval. So when Jesus says you are blessed, he's referring to the fact that you are receiving God's gracious approval. Here are the thoughts of John Stott. Happiness is a subjective state whereas Jesus is making an objective judgment about these people. He is declaring not what they may feel like, happy, but what God thinks of them and what on account, on that account they are. They are blessed. So this is the first thing we must understand. We are promised blessing, meaning God's approval is upon us. This is the very thing the farmer failed to discover. Feeling good lasts for a moment, whereas God's blessing lasts forever. That leads to a second observation. When we read these Beatitudes, we must see both present and future fulfillment. Here are the things in store for the blessed. 
They will gain the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called children of God. These are all future promises that are not exclusively future. We are, we are already comforted. We are already filled. We are already shown mercy. We are already called children of God. We are already participants in God's kingdom. But what we know of God's blessing now is just a small taste of what's to come. If you're enjoying life as a Christian here on earth, just wait for the full revelation of God's kingdom. It will be amazing. A third observation. These descriptives of a blessed person are attributes we learn. They don't happen by accident. What Jesus is summarizing here is a life of obedience where we're constantly learning meekness and purity and growing in peacemaking and practicing mercy and persevering when persecuted. These are the qualities of a person committed to God who's walking the walk. I think that what Jesus here is saying is very similar to what he says in John chapter 15. There was a time in my life when I found these words of Jesus perplexing. Here's what he said. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There was a time in my life when I found these words of Jesus impossible to understand. How could obedience lead to joy? It seemed to me that obedience just meant rules, regulations, limitations, and frustrations. Those were the associations that I had with the word obey. Who would have thought it? Obedience leads to complete joy? What I thought is that obedience leads to feeling trapped or negatively controlled. What I learned is that obeying his commands overlaps with experiencing his love, and this leads to us experiencing joy. Now here's how these ideas fit together. At least this is how I came to understand it. I came to see that the commands of Christ are tailor-made to lead us to joy. They're not tailor-made to lead us to misery. They're tailor-made to lead us to joy. It's like when I got my first car in my late teens, which was so cool. Not that the car was cool. It was uncool to the extreme. But it brought me freedom and joy till I got my first ticket, which I couldn't afford, and that didn't bring me joy. And then I wished I obeyed the rules of the road, which would have brought me joy. When we step outside the boundaries established by God, which are tailor-made to lead us to joy, we are stepping into complications that lead us, in fact, into unhappiness. It's like Augustine observed. Indeed, man wishes to be happy, even when he so lives, as to make happiness impossible. Here's one last thought, a fourth observation. This life of blessing, as described in the Beatitudes, is in many ways, many ways cyclical. That is, we don't just journey this path once. The path of spiritual growth and blessing is not linear like driving to Calgary, which isn't recommended right now. 
You get on the ferry, you pass through Vancouver, then through the Fraser Valley, then Kamloops, Salmon Arm, Revelstoke, then Golden, and then you eventually get to Calgary. The path of spiritual growth and blessing is more like driving a mountain road with many switchbacks. As we journey along, we may get this deja vu feeling, hey, I've been here before. But if we could see through the clouds surrounding us, we might look down and see way below us the road we have already traveled. It's like driving up to the Heather Trail in Manning Park, an awesome drive and beautiful hike. The parking lot is at about 1,900 meters and you go up from there. The road switches back and forth all the way up the side of the mountain and at various places you can look down and see the road sneaking below and that's when you realize that although the scenery seems the same, we are much higher in our spiritual journey. If we could see the road sneaking below us, we'd realize how far we've come. So the Beatitudes represent a path we will travel many, many times. We're constantly learning meekness and purity and growing in peacemaking and enduring grief and practicing mercy and persevering when persecuted. And as we grow in these qualities, we grow in our experience of blessedness. Where does this journey of blessedness begin? It begins here with the very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our growth in God will always begin with the realization that we are spiritual paupers. The first step will always be the fresh realization that we have nothing of merit to offer God, and that without God we are lost, 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 and that we need his grace. The poor in spirit are those who freely admit this. What we're seeing is that the blessed life is not tied up with wealth, possessions, and perpetual pleasure. It's tied into all kinds of other things, not normally on our how-to-be-happy list. Life is always messy, and sometimes scary, and often filled with pain. What we're seeing is that God's blessing, which leads us into happiness and joy, is experienced in this messy, scary, pain-filled world. Perhaps God is speaking to you. You hear God's voice convicting you, drawing you, inviting you deeper into a walk with Him. Listen to that voice and trust that God is faithful to these promises. He will bless you. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I thank you that you do want to bless us. We thank you that you have made a way forward through the mercy of Christ who died on our behalf and rose again and gives us new life. And may we walk this walk with you in the power of the Spirit, growing in these qualities described in the Beatitudes that we might truly be people who are blessed. And may we have a passion to pass on that blessing to others so that they too can see where the blessing of God lies through our words and through our life. 
We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, thanks again, uh, Pastor David, for sharing the word and, and M for uh, helping out there. We just really uh, want to um, extend our thanks to you and M both for uh, serving uh, with us at CRBC and bringing the word week in and week out and working with our staff. And uh, I just want to acknowledge that this morning as we uh, thank you, f not just for today, but for all the weeks and months past. And in recognizing that this is your uh, second to last week with us. So next week uh, is our last week uh, to hear from Pastor David. And uh, we just really want to continue to um, just remember them in prayer and, uh, and thank them for their uh, continued uh, blessing to CRBC and the work that we've done. So we want to thank you for that. We thank you so much. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing you next week. And uh, I just want to let the congregation know that um, the board and the staff uh, are uh, working uh, together and working towards some plans for the following weeks into June uh, and through the summer. Of course, week to week, we never know what uh, we're going to be faced with right now. So every week is a, is a inclusive of some new challenges. Um, but we are working on some plans moving forward and I'll hopefully have some info for you soon as we, uh, as we work through those plans as to who we might be able to have uh, come and help out moving forward. So we just want you to know that. Uh, I will try to get some information out as, as soon as I possibly can. Uh, we thank you again for joining us this morning. We want you to continue to connect, uh, reach out uh, to your neighbors, to your friends. Um, connect through social media, give us some comments on, uh, on our Facebook. We're glad you joined us live. Certainly share the link. Um, even if you just finished watching, uh, share it and move, uh, move the information forward. And uh, other people can join in at different times. And so again, we thank you for joining us. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you next week. And uh, we're looking forward to being able to provide you some uh, further information. So I just wanted to close with this um, short passage of scripture, Jude 1, uh, verse 24 um, on. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Thanks so much. Have a great week.